you'll take your Bible and turn to Psalm 88 as we continue our Summer in the Psalm series. This is a book that is full of good teaching for us. Some of the Psalms reveal the great wonders of God, His character, and His marvelous deeds. Some are full of song and take you to the mountaintop of praise and joy. Other psalms take you into the valley of pain and agony. This book of psalms is full of the human experience in life. What we have before us today is a song in the form of a prayer. It's a cry of desperation. As I read, I ask that you follow along and see if at any time you can relate to this prayer. Psalm 88, beginning in verse 1. A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah to the choir master, according to Mahalath, Leonath, a masculine of Heman, the Ezraite. O Lord God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave. Like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a whore to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eyes grow dim with sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord, I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I'm helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me altogether. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Let's go to God once again. Father, as we turn now to the preaching of your word, I pray that you will illumine us. That you will lift us up, reveal your truth to us today. Father, may your people be strengthened by your word, by the working power of your hand. May our spirits be revived. May we be filled with your grace and your truth. Father, if there is one 
one today that does not know you. I pray in your mercy that you will save them this day through this word. Father, help me not to speak in air, but may my words be your instrument. May I be your mouthpiece today for your people. Strengthen us, O Lord. Help us to be the people that you have called us to be. In your name, amen. I've entitled today's sermon, A Desperate Prayer in Dark Places. We've all been in times when hope seems distant. Whether hope is a bygone memory or it seems too far out of reach. Not knowing how things will turn out. That is where Heman is, the writer of the psalm is. A couple observations about this psalm. First, it's written by a man who was a leader in the worship of God. Keep your finger in this psalm or somehow mark it on your phone and turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 6, beginning in verse 31. 1 Chronicles chapter 6, beginning in verse 31. And we're going to see that Heman was a leader in the worship of God. 1 Chronicles 6, beginning in verse 31. These are the men whom David put in charge of the service of song in the house of the Lord after the ark rested there. They ministered with song before the tabernacle of the tent of meeting until Solomon built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And they performed their service according to their order. These are the men who served and their sons. Of the sons of the Kohites, Heman the singer, the son of Joel, son of Samuel. So Heman was a leader in the worship of God. In that day... The Levites were men appointed by God to serve Him. They had a zeal for God and His holiness. Yet in Psalm 88, we have a prayer where one of these men of God was in desperation. What this says is that great trials come to the most dedicated of God's people. Maybe you have given your life to serving God, and this is where you find yourself this morning. God has been gracious enough to give you the light of life through Christ, yet this could be your very prayer this morning. Maybe you find yourself in a dark place. Maybe you can say with Heman at the end of the psalm, My companions have become darkness. Or in the NIV, the darkness is my closest friend. The Christian life is full of dark places. For sure, the consequences of our own sin are severe and can have us in dark places. Our sin rips joy away and our disobedience leaves us in guilt and shame. But that's not the only dark place. We can find ourselves in dark places not because we've done anything wrong, 
but because of the result of making good choices, of standing for truth, fighting sin, standing up to the waywardness of the world and the vulgarity and immorality. It could happen according to God's own wisdom and even harder to grasp his love and purpose for the believer. This is a psalm the prosperity teachers will never point you to. It's against their narrative. It doesn't speak what they want you to hear, the lies that they spout. A dark place could be facing difficult times that just don't seem to end. It could be dealing with a body that's aging or breaking down, not getting any better. It could be disappointment, relationships that have become broken. Or it could be unwanted circumstances with no end in sight. Believers face conditions like these. We're not the first and we won't be the last. Another observation is that the psalm fits the man of sorrows found in Isaiah chapter 53. Beginning in verse 3, it says this, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one for whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. This, of course, is a description of our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ. This psalm could have been His song. It could have been a prayer that He prayed from the depths of Sheol since He was alone. He was abandoned by His family and friends, deserted by His followers, rejected by sinners, and even forsaken by God the Father. Our Lord knows our troubles very well. Very well. Several other things that are interesting about this psalm. The psalm is a prayer that's put into a song. It's not a happy song, yet there's something intriguing about this psalm. There's no resolution, there's no deliverance from human's trial. Every other psalm in the Psalter ends with some kind of Hope, a view of better days. Psalm 88 doesn't have that. We don't know if Heman was ever delivered or not. There's nothing here that says Heman did anything to displease God. More important is what Heman does in the midst of this great trial that hopefully we'll see more clearly as we go through it. It takes place in book three of the Psalter, and it's been labeled a psalm of the sons of Korah. 
We should remember that Psalm 88 is surrounded by psalms of exile. It could very well be a psalm of exile. That is how the psalmist was feeling, like they were in exile from God. Psalm 88 is the only psalm in the Psalter that ends in darkness and death. In the midst of despair and depression and death, I cry out to you. If you know the hurt and the pain and the emptiness of this psalm, then this psalm is for you. It's for hurting people who feel alone, rejected, confused, wondering why, asking how long they must endure their trial. And while it seems like there's no hope, I told you it seems like it ends in desperation and possibly death, it seems like there's no hope. Remember that this psalm is a prayer that's sung. It's a prayer. In the most difficult circumstances, there is always a glimmer of hope. Because God's people are given the gift of prayer. We can summarize the psalm like this. When faithful Christians face the worst situations of their lives, they should pray to God for deliverance. When faithful Christians face the worst situations of their lives, They should pray to God for deliverance. That sounds easy at first. And many start out this way, but what about when there's no relief? You and I should pray. Preparing for this sermon this week, I was reminded I need to pray. That is the hope of this psalm. Let's go through this psalm and see why this is such a precious gift to us. It can be broken down into three parts. Each part begins with a cry to the Lord. Verses 1 through the first part of verse 9 is a prayer for deliverance. The end of verse 9 through verse 12 is a confession of God's sovereignty and His greatness. And then verses 13 to 18 is a a personal plea to a personal God. Let's look at the first part, a prayer for deliverance. Notice how this psalm begins in verses 1 and 2. Look at how Heman addresses God. Look with me again, if you would, please. O Lord, remember that's O Yahweh, the the covenant name of God, the personal name of Almighty God. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. These words in verse 1 are the only cheerful words in the whole psalm. O Lord, God of my salvation. And what they do, what these words do, is they uphold the rest of the psalm. 
we have the rest of the psalm because of verse 1. Because God is the God of my salvation. It's in those words the whole psalm stands on. Heman expresses a faith that is dependent on God rescuing him. Heman's going to God thinking that God can do it. And he can. Heman has been praying to God for a while, day after day, day and night. He's gone to God asking for help, and he's still waiting for that help. God hasn't responded yet. But Heman's inclination is to keep going to God. Why is that? Heman is aware that God is a covenant-keeping God. That's in his very name, Yahweh. Oh, Yahweh, God of my salvation. He keeps his promises. He's faithful. And Heman is going to him in faith that God will be that way. Heman is recalling, perhaps, Psalm 86, verse 7, just a few psalms before this one. The psalmist says there in Psalm 86, In the day of my trouble I call upon you, for you, what? For you answer me. Perhaps that is what Heman had on his mind as he was writing this prayer. This is what Heman believes. He knows that it's true. God does answer. God does deliver. He does take care of His people. And Heman is going to God seeking that very thing. God is sovereign. And He hears us. Even in times when it doesn't seem that way, He does. Our faith is built on fulfilled promises, not empty ones. God has promised to save you. And all of us who are in Christ, we are forever saved and redeemed. Our faith is built on fulfilled promises, not empty ones. And at the same time, we know that God's wisdom is not like ours. He works differently. So we must learn to trust Him. Notice what Heman calls God. He is God of my salvation. Habakkuk says in chapter 3, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. He is every believer's salvation. If you follow Christ, God is your salvation. This is your prayer. Oh, Yahweh, God of my salvation. You can begin that way as a follower of Jesus Christ. God saves His people from the worst condition we could ever find ourselves. Worse than anything else that we could ever face in this life. We were lost. We were dead in our own sins and trespasses. And by His grace, through faith that He gave us in Jesus Christ, He's rescued us from eternal judgment. 
So many times we treat prayer as an afterthought. We spin our wheels, we get exhausted, we we try to come up with solutions on our own that we think will work. There are times when God's people go through difficult times, we find ourselves in dark places, the first thing we need to do, not the last, is pray. We need to pray. Because God hears us. And He's already proven that He lifts us up from the pit of evil and delivers us. Charles Spurgeon calls prayer, quote, the longing of the soul to hold communion with the Most High, the desire of the heart to obtain blessings at His hands, end of quote. Real prayer is going before God and bearing your soul before Him. Letting Him know your sin, your sorrow, your hopes, your fears, your commitment to trusting Him, and then asking Him to help you stay committed to that commitment. Knowing that He's already saved you. Now in verses 3-9 through of this psalm, Heman gives reasons for his prayer. His soul is full of trouble. His life is nearing death. He's been drugged down. His strength has diminished. It seems that God has left him. He's being overwhelmed thinking that God is displeased with him and is judging him. His friends have left him. He feels like he can't escape. He's trapped. He's full of sorrow. Have you ever been there? Every follower of Jesus Christ will experience this. He's expressing all of this to God. He's not just putting on a plastic smile. He's not just tightening up his bootstraps and going to just keep on trying. He's bearing his soul before God. Heman was in a dark place. He's weak. His heart is very heavy. It seems like God is against him because it's God who's in control. We believe that God is sovereign, that He's in control of everything and things aren't going well. In fact, they're going quite terrible, God. This is as bad as it gets. It's so bad, there's no end in sight. And in verse 5, Heman feels like God is treating him like an unbeliever. Like an unbeliever. Unbelievers are those who are dead. They are not remembered or favored when they die. They're cut off from God. That really is as bad as it gets. Notice there's something we can learn here. When it seems like you're in the darkest place, when the walls are closing in like you've been abandoned, that your heart is being crushed, God seems far away. What you don't need is strength in that moment to keep you going. You need faith to pray. You need faith to pray. Heman is sharing all of this with God. 
He's bearing his soul. And Heman acknowledges that God is in control of even this dark situation. In verse 6, it's God who put him there. In verse 7, it's God who's afflicted him. In verse 8, God has pulled everyone away. In verse 9, it seems God has left him sad. Heman feels forsaken. It's like he's adrift at sea. Cut off from everyone and everything. And it's picture a, a rowboat with no oars, adrift in the middle of the ocean at night. No sun will come up. The stars aren't out. And that's what human felt like. He's completely alone in the middle of nowhere with no path to escape. But Heman's faith is unrelenting, isn't it? The psalm goes on. He cries out to God again. At the end of verse 9 through verse 12, Heman confesses God's sovereignty and His greatness. After finding no relief, Heman is still turning to God for answers and rescue. It's really hard to go through seasons like this feeling like you're all alone asking God what what have I done you're overwhelmed and helpless yet it's because of who God is that keeps you going to him God you say you are this and so we go to him it's one thing to be in a dark place because of your sin that's That's the consequence that we're taught. God has already told us that. But when you find yourself in situations like this, at no fault of your own, all you have is God, then what do you do? Day and night, I cry out to God. When you feel like you are in the deepest valley, I invite you to go to this psalm and pray. It's given to us for those times. It's our voice in the midst of deep trouble and pain. Heman says at the end of verse 9, he spread out his hands to God, indicating submission, dependence, and adoration. To God. In verses 10 through 12, there's a series of questions that human asks. Asking God if he works wonders for the dead, if the dead praise him, if his steadfast love is rendered in the grave, his faithfulness in the place of destruction, his wonders in darkness, his righteousness in the land of forgetfulness. You see, dead people cannot testify to the greatness and to the grace of God. Only those who are alive and rescued can testify. The point is, when you're dead, none of who God is helps you. But if you are alive... And for us, that's alive 
in Christ, you've been made alive through Jesus Christ, then you can testify to Him. You can testify to His mercy and greatness, to His everlasting faithfulness. You can let others know His wonders and His righteousness. Do you see the tension going on in this prayer? Haman is desperate. He's in agony. He's he's suffering. And yet he calls out to the one who is always faithful, full of promise and grace and a love that never fails. Haman doesn't understand what's going on. He's seeking understanding and he doesn't get it. He doesn't know where he will end up in this life, but he knows Yahweh has already rescued him from the worst of it all. It may feel at times that we are in bondage, too dark to see, but in Christ, you and I are free and our faith in God is what keeps us going. Our prayers are not empty words to a cruel God. Our death is not God's goal. Our resurrection is. And our prayers are being heard. The last part of this psalm is a personal plea to a personal God. Heman continues his prayer. Even though God will not answer him, Heman continues. He has faith and he keeps praying. And he asks two questions. O Lord, O Yahweh, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Here's another lesson for us. It's right here in the psalm. It is okay to ask God why. God doesn't promise that He will answer us, but He wants you to bring your questions to Him. It shows that we confess that He is the one who has the answers. They're not found anywhere else. God is the one who holds the answers. And He reveals them in His Timing as it fits his sovereign plan. The rest of the psalm gets even more personal between Heman and God. It reveals a close personal relationship between them. Even in the midst of trouble, when we are in dark places, it's our relationship with God that gets us through it. It seems like God is rejecting Heman, that he's staying away. Even though God knows his long-term suffering, he hasn't done anything. Heman feels beat down, like he's suffocating and grasping for air. God's people can and do face times like this. And sometimes the season is a very long season that we have to endure. God surrounds us with trouble. He may remove those close to us to where the darkness becomes our only friend. We don't always get the answer. 
Are we okay with that? God may not answer us. So what do we do? No answer. No end in sight. Well, you and I, we pray. And we keep praying. We cry out to God. He remains who He is even when we are in our dark places. We have to trust Him and keep our faith in Christ. We keep praying. What we're going through doesn't compare to what we've been given in Christ. So we pray because of what Christ has done and what He's given us. There are more reasons for what we face than what anyone can ever explain to us. We do not know all of the reasons of the troubles that we face. But we do know that in all of our trouble, in every darkened corner, in the morning and the night, we have a Savior who is with us. He's with us. At the end of it all, He is truly all we need. Sometimes there is no relief like the song. We will not have a resolution. We will have lots of questions that go unanswered, but God is still sovereign. He's still faithful. He hears us and He cares. God hasn't changed just because our circumstances have. He loves us. His love remains even if we don't understand. He may allow us to suffer in this life, but we know that it pales in comparison to the eternal glory that awaits us. So we keep praying. We keep trusting. We keep hoping because our God is full of grace and mercy and has our good in mind at all times. So how do we do it? How do we do this? Quickly, I want to give you three points to remember from this psalm that I hope will help you in these dark places. First, remember God. Remember who He is. He's the God of your salvation. I need to remember He's the God of my salvation. It's He who saved you and redeemed you to everlasting life through faith in Jesus Christ. That far, far exceeds this life. Second, trust God. We remember God and we trust God. Put your confidence not in the place where you are, but in what God has done, what He promises to do. He's always doing things that you and I can't see. And He's always doing them for eternal purposes, not just this life. For eternal purposes. These purposes outlast any darkness that you and I are ever in in this life. They go way beyond every circumstance. Quite possibly... He's trying to teach you and me something. Maybe He's teaching you to follow Scripture and be more obedient. 
Maybe he's guiding you into his word so you'll be filled with his unshakable truth in these dark times. Maybe to grow your compassion and usefulness in ministry. To teach you to wait on him and be patient as he works out his sovereign plan. To make your joy less dependent on circumstances. To increase your holiness and to have a deeper assurance of Him, knowing that this life is not what fulfills you, is what God has already done through Jesus Christ. Through it all, keep praying to God. He's a God who hears our prayer. He is the one who can and who does listen, and He does act for our good. But remember... It's our eternal good that has the most significance. God may allow us to suffer for a season. We may go through dark places, but he's given us the gift of prayer to keep our eyes on him and his eternal plan. The problems we face are not the point of this life. It's to see God and what he has revealed That his purposes are glorious and eternal. That his love and grace and mercy is what you and I need. In the midst of pain and sorrow and trouble, we seek him all the more. Because we have assurance of final victory in Christ. It's Christ who we need in those dark places. It's Christ who's given us prayer. May we use it and keep our eyes on him forever. Let's pray.